This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host the Voices of Misery podcast. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Check it out. On with the show. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's yet another episode of the Voices of Misery podcast. It is October, so you know what that means. We are in full Halloween mode. We are doing our favorite thing. It's talking about supernatural topics, and I'm an idiot. You guys know that. I uh, have a lot of questions about the supernatural, the afterlife, and things that go bump in the night. So when I have questions, I phone an expert, and today we have the expert of all experts, probably the most you know uh, professional person we've ever had on the show, someone who is well-qualified, overqualified, for the topic, and I'm very happy. His name is Mr. Saduda, and he is a Thai Buddhist magic master, among other things. He is just a jack of all trades. I'm going to let him introduce himself because I want you to tell everyone exactly what you're all about, why you're on the show, and just and, and just tell everyone everything about Saduda, please. Uh, thank you for having me on here. Uh, never had an introduction quite like that, so <laughs> I'm humbled. Um, you know, as far as what I what I do, um, I'm, I'm what you would call an occult professor. Uh, and so in Theravadan, uh, which is like Thai Buddhism, in that cultural background, the term Ajarn, A-J-A-R-N, is used. Um, and that literally translates as professor and specifically pertains to a professor of the occult. And so it doesn't mean that you have to be a monk. Um, you could be a monk and also an Ajarn, but it's not exclusive to being a monk. Um, it's a very interesting path working because you have a lot of animistic traditions. So predating Buddhism before Buddhism kind of took over, um, what used to be Siam, but is now Thailand, uh, 14th century, you had Buddhism merging with the animistic traditions. And so that's what makes, uh, Thai Buddhism so fascinating compared to other types of Buddhism, because you still have a lot of those very old ways, you know, those very, um, you know, in, not in a demeaning sense, but the, the primitive ways of worship, right? Mm -hmm. So we use like a lot of like, you know, different types of human remains and things of that nature, stuff that's, you know, kind of a little bit taboo to other people, like uh, Naman Prey oil, for example, which is the melted chin fat or body oil from a human um, for different amulets and purposes. But anyways, I digress. Uh, I, I'm an occult professor and I teach people um, various types of magic, but my bread and butter is like Thai witcha, uh, Thai barang, like basically Thai voodoo um, and different like old, um, mostly oral tradition taught types of um, Buddhist magic. And then I help people to uh, feel 
their energy and work with their energy and grow their energy. And I do trauma healing and counseling with people, um, soul retrieval, energy healing, things of that nature. And I also like, you know, run a blog and kind of just try to educate as well as um, help people with spare, uh, spiritual or paranormal crisis situations. I do exorcisms, um, house blessings, things of that nature. So yeah, like you said, a, a jack of all trades, but the occult really is the field of uh, my career. Now, this isn't something where like you're watching a cartoon as a kid and you're like, you know what? I like cops. I want to be a cop when I grow up. This isn't something that's like normal, obviously, you know, I mean, like, I don't mean to disrespect the whole thing, but like, how, how did you find out that this is what you want to do? Like, how, how did you find out that this is your path in life? Well, long story short, I had first met um, this Buddhist monk um, who became um, one of my first masters, uh, Master Thanaful Pakti. And Master Thanaful taught me like walking meditation and he taught me a few different things. And at that point, I hadn't really, you know, clung to him and um, like hadn't really devoted myself as his disciple yet. Um, that came later. But after I had met him, I ended up meeting one of my other teachers, um, who's a colleague now um, and still teaches me things. And it was really fascinating because I had no intention of meeting him or seeking him out. And I had done a paranormal case, uh, had not been trained at all yet at this point, but I went um, as a paranormal investigator, you know, answered a Craigslist ad to join us paranormal investigative group and went on this little case to go and investigate, um, you know, an area that was haunted. And I found um, a dark talisman there, you know, and this was like in a half burnt down, you know, building and in the rafters, you know, there was this uh, hemp braided, like very intricately made, um, you know, necklace. And it had like a chicken bone and like a crow feather. And, you know, and it was just very ornately made. And I'm like, okay, well, someone left this here. And knowing what I know now, I wouldn't have taken it, <laughs> you know, but I took it. And um, there was a female who was with me that was on the team. And, you know, we kind of had our own little fling, I guess you could say. And so she came back to mine afterwards and um, she wanted to check out the talisman. And so uh, I let her I let her put it on because she wanted to try it on. And then uh, she started convulsing and seizing on the floor and she like changed like her facial structure started morphing um, in a way that does not like make sense for the human anatomy, like sure. the, the, the jawbone kind of like flexing outwards and moving in odd angles and the cheeks structuring and shaping out like a broadened, like bowing shape. And mm -hmm. her eyes were just this deep, glossy black. And it was like something out of a literal horror movie. And I was so terrified um, never in my life have, have since then or previous have I ever been as scared as I was in that moment. And I kept telling myself, like, you know, this has got to be like a movie. This can't be real life. This can't be real life. And, um, you know, this whole ordeal lasted, you know, about a week. But um, long story short, she was coming in and out of these bouts of uh, possession and she would say in my phone sensei in my phone sensei and so 
one point I go through her phone and sure enough, the contacts, there's a number with the name Sensei. So mm -hmm. I called this guy and it's like, you know, two, three in the morning, something like that. And I'm like, Hey man, like you don't know me. I don't know you don't even know if you're going to believe what I'm going to tell you right now. And like, he was very irritated when he first answered the phone, like, what do you want kind of thing. But then as soon as I started telling him what was going on, his, his attitude immediately changed. And um, so he kind of gave me, and this was, this was my start, you know, this was my, uh, my Batman origin story. Um, he had, he'd given me an ultimatum. He said, I could come there right now and it'll be like a bad dream. You'll always question this, but it won't seem real and it'll just fade in your mind um, and, and I'll make everything better and I'll take care of this. Or option number two, I can give you a couple of hints. I'm going to test you. And depending on how you do um, left to your own devices, I will then, if I deem you worthy, take you on as a student and I'll answer every question you've ever had about the paranormal. So that as terrified as I was, as scared as I was, something about that option like hit my core. And, and I just, I had to know, I had to know. So little did I know he had already astral projected into the room at that point and was kind of like watching and managing things safely over the course of that next seven days where I was being tested and was literally trying to figure out how to exercise with no knowledge whatsoever um, you know, a malevolent entity from this female. <laughs> I mean, I tried everything, taking her to a Catholic church. Um, I mean, she ended up getting admitted into a psych ward, was taken there by the police. And um, the way the case ended up resolving was um, the, the teacher had gone and visited her in the psych ward. And he took a, and this is like an old Lakota um, trick for exercising spirits that he was taught by one of his first teachers. And so he, um, he took a, a piece of white sage and he burned half of it. And then he put um, the other half underneath his tongue. And then he kissed her on the lips and he sucked the spirit into the piece of white sage. And then he burnt the rest of it and sent this basically banished the spirit. Mm. He didn't tell me about that till later, but um, you know, once he had gone and seen her, he like came out of the room, like just a couple minutes later. And it was like, it's done. It's gone. And I'm like, like, how is this possible? You know? And that was kind of what embarked that journey. Yeah, that's crazy. So like, he just basically just walks in there. And he's like, yeah, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm just going to suck this thing out of her and just, you know, just banish the, the, the demon. Did he see you worthy after that? Because he was the one that, that excised the demon. Did he say to you like, hey, you, you tried, good job, you're in or what happened? Pretty much. I mean, he was, he was more of a, a, I don't know if you're familiar with the term coyote teaching. No, no. So, so he was more of like a coyote teacher and a coyote teacher is a teacher that, uh, you know, I, I don't personally teach in this style, but I benefited a lot from it. Um, and so what a coyote teacher does is they kind of leave you to your own devices and they force you to figure things out on your own. Mm -hmm. And, and they can be so frustrating because they will give you very, very minimal bits of information or just like the most faintest details and expect you to figure out all on your own. And what you don't realize is 
they're subtly manipulating you in the background to the answer and making you think you got it all on your own. And they're pushing you to work harder, but they're kind of secretly giving you little hints and things along the way that you don't really catch or notice on the surface level, but it actually like is more help than you realize you're getting. Mm -hmm. Uh, so he, he was more of like a coyote teacher. So, um, so when he, when he first took me on, he was like, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to teach you things. This is going to be hard. Um, you're, you're never going to be able to go back to your old life. The, this, this is who you are now. Uh, and you know, it was, it was really frustrating and I was infuriated so many, so many times along the way with him. And I, and I did so many irresponsible things and, um, I, he was probably the teacher I gave the hardest time because like, you know, he would tell me about something and he wouldn't explain it all the way. And then the next thing, you know, and this was like a very early development, this was almost like 10 years ago. And, you know, here I am like learning about something from an old grammar. And then I go and start summoning demons in the home. And he's like, what in the hell are you doing? And I'm like, well, you told me about this thing and I wanted to know more about it. And it's just like, I was so irresponsible in the beginning. Now, what happens to the person? Because my whole thought here is like, what about this poor girl? As you guys are trying to figure this out, he's trying to teach you how to excise this demon and get it out of this person's body. Where is that person? Like, where is their conscious? Where is their being when they're being taken over by something else? What, what happens? So there's, there's a couple. You, first, you have to understand the nature of possession. So you, you have um, stage one, stage two, and stage three. You have the infestation period. And some things are kind of like, um, I would say, an exception to the rule, such as like that talisman took her straight to stage three. Like there was no stage one, there was no stage two. It went straight to stage three, which was possession. And then if you go beyond that, like there's another stage, which is something you never want to encounter. And that's called perfect possession. That's like full integration entity has completely taken over the host. Like the personality of the person is completely gone permanently. Um, and it is now just the spirit inhabiting that body that's perfect possession. Normally possession is when the spirit takes over and it kind of exits the consciousness of that person, just what you're asking about. Yeah. But the other level of it is, um, so stage two is like overshadowing, um, AKA trans possession. And so that's when you'll have, you know, bouts and periods of a person being possessed and then not being possessed. You know, they, they'll talk about, um, you know, feeling a presence and being attacked and then, they may have these instances of, um, you know, remembering or experiencing, um, you know, this delusion and being partly aware of what's happening, but unable to stop it. And is just kind of like a backseat passenger to a nightmare of a show. Um, and so that's more of like your stage two, like trans possession um, overshadowing. Now with actual possession, um, being somebody that has dealt with it extensively and also been possessed many a times. Um, I can tell you in my worst possession where I was like fully possessed by an entity. Um, and this kind of like broke my brain for like a year. Um, I ended up in a psychiatric hospital smearing my own feces on the wall, talking in tongues. Like it was that bad. I lost all of my memory. Um, I experienced like, um, a full loss of episodic um, memory, um, amnesia, uh, went into like a fugue state and I had to like basically come out of that and then remember my entire life 
within like a flash of seconds, like every experience I had ever had, um, every emotion I'd ever felt just like hit me in a wave. And it was like, I felt it all for the first time. Mm. But in that period that I was um, possessed, uh, I was, I was gone. Um, The best way to describe it was at one point, I just stopped existing. And there were things that I did and was told about that I, to this day, I don't have that memory. I was told about it secondhand. So like, I don't really know other than someone telling me about some of those experiences because I don't remember them. Mm -hmm. So for me, in my understanding of firsthand experience, it's kind of like a complete separation of the soul from the body. Um, And you're kind of like, you're kind of stored somewhere else. Uh, And where that somewhere else is, is essentially kind of like a pocket nexus or think of like, um, you know, when this uh, entity comes into your body, you know, where it's coming from, you know, it's home, essentially, it's kind of putting your consciousness there while it's in your body. So depending on your level of possession, if you were like more in like an overshadowing, like trans transient possession type state, you might actually be aware that you're in that like hell realm, or you might be aware that something's controlling your body that's not you and not able to do anything about it. But um, my understanding um, and experience of like true possession is that uh, that consciousness is completely gone. It's not even aware of what's happening, but it's definitely suffering. Now, when someone dies, what would cause one person's spirit to become a malevolent being that would maybe want to take someone else over or maybe attach themselves to a talisman or Mm. Or a freaking rocking chair. Let's say if someone dies in a rocking chair, is their spirit attached to that? When someone sits down, are they taken over by that being? What would cause a spirit to stay and take so, someone else over? We're, we're talking about two different things here with the human spirit. We're talking about a ghost and we're talking about a wraith. So a ghost isn't necessarily going to be malevolent um, or they might be, but they are themselves in personality and ego the way they were when they were alive. So you could have somebody that was just a terrible human being, a very hateful person, and they could be a ghost and they could attach themselves to people. They have to, they have to have a source. They no longer have a physical body. So to inhabit within the physical plane, they need to be able to generate um, power, energy, you know, from somewhere. So sometimes this can be like dirty energy sources, like power lines and things of that nature. Um, You can have like dead rings in the grass and stuff like that, where they're like feeding on like the plant itself, um, attaching themselves to items that are kind of acting like, um, like a binding agent to this realm. And then they'll feed off of people or they'll go into the astral and then they'll feed. And then they have this like cord that brings them back to the physical, which is that object, or they'll directly attach and feed from people as well. So, so a ghost will kind of do that. If it's a negative ghost, you know, it's, it's, it's fully aware of what's doing now. If it's a wraith, wraiths are usually born um, a couple different ways. Uh, and this is not necessarily immediate upon death, but it can be um, immediate or it can take time um, over like the span of like years, months, weeks, etc. And that is if a person has a very violent, unexpected death, um, 
if it was suicide, murder, you know, burned alive, drowned, things of that nature, um, they they become their suffering. Um, so you you have the consciousness itself is no longer identified with the ego um, or the personality of that person that they were when they were alive. And they instead become like the intense energy of that death state of their death. So this is what we'd call like a, like a revenant. Um, if you've ever seen like Juon or like the grudge yes. movies. Yes. So that is a classic definition of a revenant. So a revenant would be like a species of wraith. So, and like a banshee would also be a type of wraith. So like you have these different types of spirits that we talk about that kind of belong to these certain classifications. It's kind of like, you know, genus, species, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. So you have like wraith is going to be any human spirit that has become corrupted. And like a ghost would fall under a human spirit, but it wouldn't be a wraith. Um, now, a wraith hood transition is kind of like a type of evolution. So in the same way that things will evolve to adapt to their environment um, to become better adapted for like, you know, you acquiring resources and survival, it's the same things that happens to some of these um, corrupted uh, wraiths and they can evolve into darker aspects of wraithhood where they become like like a higher level i break them down in classifications like low mid high so a high level wraith would be like the classic like hat man um and usually would be accompanied with things like hellhounds um or they could be in collusion with like demonic spirits and entities um and anything i call demonic is essentially a non-human entity quasi-physical in nature of a malevolent um origin so it, you know i like the term demon because most people are kind of aware it gives you a thought but i'm not speaking in like a traditional christian sense like a demon is just a malevolent entity that is non-human in nature it's like you're speaking layman's terms to a guy like yeah. me who has no idea you know like exactly as, as, as far as i know whenever i hear like a sound in the other room I'm like holy shit that's my deceased father coming back to say hi to me like i have no idea what's going on with this you actually see these things and i want to ask you like when did you first start seeing these and when did you determine like hey this is reality and this is the afterlife like this is what's this is what I, this is what other people can see this is what i can see so i i cheat a little bit <laughs> all right let's hear about and, it and so um my every everyone has natural psychic abilities and whether they, you know, develop them or to what extent they can be developed. Um, I, I talked about this analogy earlier um, on another show about like, you know, let's say you join a basketball team, you know, not everyone's going to be like the varsity all-star player. Not everyone's going to go off to the NBA. Some people don't make the cut of the team sure. and some are just like, you know, a good foundation for the team. Some get benched half the time. Right. So people, um, have varying levels of what they can attain or where they're naturally at um, or could work towards. And so I was kind of limited with sight and with hearing. Um, it was never extremely clairvoyant. I would have moments where this would be like strong experience. Um, and then it was, wasn't consistent. Um, mostly clairsentience, just knowing um, and having like empathy, very strong empathy, like that became so well-defined that I could, I could feel something on such a deep level that I could tell 
just by feeling if the spirit was human, if it was female or male uh, approximation of like its age or the era of time it came from things like, but just by feeling, not by actually seeing or hearing. Now, where I started to cheat a little bit was when I got like better with magic and more practiced in the occult. Um, I have this huge altar behind me with all these spirit statues and, um, and like, so I, I will use my spirits and meditation and I will ask them things. And then the, because, because I work with this altar quite a bit, our, our energies are kind of more bound with each other. So the sensitivity is higher. So I'm more likely to hear them have an experience um, visually, mentally with them than when just a regular spirit. So if I have a client that comes to me that's asking for a reading or asking for certain things um, about a situation, what I'll often do is I'll, I'll go into meditation or I'll do like a small ritual process with my spirit statues. And then they'll tell me what's going on and they'll show me things. And that's basically kind of making up for um, what I kind of lack. So like I do use certain tools hmm. and I'll be like scary spot on and, uh, you know, like I had like this w- one situation with a student recently where he was asking me, um, you know, pretty much all he said was, I'm worried about my friend and uh, was wondering if you could look at her photo and tell me what you see. Very, very vague. That's not giving me any details whatsoever. Well, by looking at the photo, I got some initial impressions. But then when I when I walk, when I talk to my spirit statues they were like, yeah, the boyfriend is tired of her cheating on. And like, you know, like, that's like a huge thing to just go out and be like, yo, like, this is what's going on. Like, yeah. you know, because if you're wrong, like, that's some pretty insulting things to say. Uh-huh. Turns out I was 100% right. And not only was I right, but I freaked out my student and I freaked out the the, uh, the person who's, who's a client that I'm actually, you know, got a session with on Monday. Yeah. Uh, they were just like, well, you know, we'd been hearing from like the student, which is like this person's friend, like, you know, you're, you're the real deal, this kind of thing. But then when I'd like basically told them something, I had no possible way of knowing at all. They were just like, they were kind of a little bit spooked by that. And it was kind of like, you know, cool validation, but it was also like, I can't really take credit for that because I'm just relaying what the spirits told me. So that's why I say it's kind of like cheating, even though I am doing something truly quote unquote psychic, like I don't really consider that way because I'm just asking them to tell me what's going on. And then the spirits tell me what's going on. Now, how do some people have this gift and some don't? Because you can obviously see and talk to spirits and and, and you can tap into that realm, but other people can't. How do you have that ability and why can't other people do it? It's not that other people can't do it. It's just most people haven't put in the time, I wouldn't even say aren't willing, but haven't put in the time to cultivate their chi, to cultivate their energy. Mm. I've done years of qigong practices. Um, you know, if you're familiar with like tai chi, yes. so, you know, qigong is, is tai chi comes from qigong. It's actually a type of qigong. Um, so like I do qigong, which is like, it's like where martial arts and yoga meet. It's, it's beautiful. And it allows me to become more sensitive to energy. It allows me to cultivate that energy to cleanse my meridians, these energy channels, your chakras, if you will. So, so it allows me to cleanse my body. It allows me to strengthen my body. It's the spiritual equivalent of lifting weights. So of course, 
if you go into a gym and you've never lifted weights before and you don't ask for a spotter and you just try to jump to the bench press and like bench your body weight, like don't be surprised if the bar falls on your neck or don't be surprised if you can't even lift it up. And then, and then you're in Marvel because you see me go in there and start just pushing up reps. And it's like, well, no, I've been doing this for quite a while. I've been like, I built myself up to this. Like I was the guy who went in and couldn't lift the bar up, you know? So it, it, it takes practice. It takes time. And I'd say that's probably the biggest deterrent for a lot of people I've noticed. And a lot of looky loose who kind of come into this field is when you realize like the amount of effort, energy, time, and practice that goes into developing those skills, a lot of people will exit stage left right then. Now, when people come to you, because you obviously get a lot of clients, people come to you and they say, hey, listen, I, I, I need help. And people come to you and they probably think you're going to think they're crazy because no one else wants to hear their story because they probably, you know, are too ashamed because in the times that we live in now, if you say, hey, there's a demon in my house, no one's going to you know, listen to their shit. So I'm going to ask you, like, how do you weed out the fake people and how do you like, choose who your clients are going to be and who you're going to help? Because obviously, you, you know, there's a market for this. So first thing is, I'm always skeptical. Um, even as much experience as I have seeing things and experiencing things in this field, I am always skeptical when someone comes to me and they say there's a demon in my home. And, you know, usually when they say there's a demon in their home, it ends up being like a ghost or something like that. Like they don't really know what they're talking about. Sure. So, so the first thing is I, I have to, I have to go in thinking that it's complete BS and that allows me to then look at it from a filter of, you know, could this be mental illness? Could this be a combination of spiritual malady and uh, mental illness? Or is this like a spiritual crisis situation happening? So once I can kind of boil it down through my processes and by my processes, like I kind of, I, I take a very investigative approach. And then I also use like a psychic approach as well. So I'm looking at like um, something one of my first teachers taught me um, was like the rule of three. So, you know, if, you know, if somebody's talking about like, you know, there's, there's banging and stuff on the walls. Okay. So are you in an apartment complex? Like, you know, is it possible this is like your neighbors? Like, you know, this is like one off incident, you know, like what, what's going on here? Give me more details. And then if there's banging on the walls, stuff's kind of disappearing sometimes like, okay, well, maybe you're forgetful. Maybe you misplace things like, and you know, that's kind of an odd coincidence. You have like random unexplained banging and things missing, still not convinced that's paranormal. But then let's say, you know, the third thing. So you have banging on the walls, you have objects disappearing and you're hearing voices in the middle of the air or, or feeling cold spots in, in the house. Now that I'm hearing three different separate paranormal, you know, unexplained phenomena, things happening, then then I'm more kind of like, then my ears perk up. So then I want to know like, okay, well, is there, is there a tie to, you know, the, the lunar cycles, you know, is this happening in the day and the night, or is this happening just at night or day? Like depending on the answers to a lot of these things is actually going to save me a lot of work when I realize I am working with something that's paranormal because it's going to tell me if it's a type of like, you know, fae or like nature spirit, it's going to tell me if it's demonic, it's going to tell me if it's a ghost, like they don't realize that they're giving me vital information when they're giving me information. You know, I'll ask if there's power lines by the house. Like I'll ask, you know, is, is the land, you know, on like a, you know, like a mineral rich, like, you know, soil or like, you know, is, is there like a, you know, quartz and stuff underneath the land? Like, 
And if they don't know any of that, that's fine. But like, I try to get as much information as possible, the nature of the attacks, et cetera. And through that process, I'm able to kind of like zero in on some stuff and then I can consult with my spirits and I can get a more clear picture. And then I can decide what's going to be the ritual approach or the way that I go at this, like what katas uh, chants am I going to use, which, you know, are basically certain specific vibrations and frequencies that some things are going to be more susceptible than others. Certain spirits that I might work with certain rituals, like Sudpanyak ritual to Tawesuan, like, you know, these very specific processes that I have, this is a science. And uh, a lot of people don't realize, um, when they come from an outside perspective, you know, um, when we talk about like Buddhism, um, especially like Thai Buddhism, um, it's only the Western mind that calls it a religion. Um, Buddhists themselves, and especially like practitioners, um, they don't call it a religion. They call it a spiritual science. Um, you know, so there's, there's a reason why they do some of these prayers and celebrate some of these holidays, why they wear certain things, um, why they live their lives the way they live, which seems superstitious, but it's about aligning and swaying energies and um, kind of like preventing yourself from being in certain situations. And, you know, so it's kind of like a tiptoe dance around the spiritual. Now, you did mention like looking for minerals and things like that in the area and just asking a lot of questions to these people. So that just kind of sparked a question in my head. Um, like what would attract a, a spirit, a ghost, a demon, whatever it is, anything undead uh, rather, like what would attract them to a certain location? Is there anything that they look for? Is, is, is there any reason why they would haunt one place, not another? Um, yeah. So a couple of, a couple of examples. I mean, there's so many examples we could give, but couple examples would be like, so if you have like a, a heavy quartz rich like environment, um, you know, like say an old farmhouse or a city or whatever, you know, an area that, that um, for some reason is just happens to be where a lot of quartz is under the ground. Well, that quartz is naturally going to amplify the energies. Mm -hmm. So the spirits that might be in that area are going to have more of a chance to induce phenomena, they're going to need less energy um, or like an outside source or, you know, to attach to a person, et cetera, to um, waiting on certain lunar cycles, yada, yada, yada. They're, they're going to need less to do more. That's obviously attractive, you know, for certain spirits. And then you look at certain places. Um, so there's, there's like salt licks, out in um, nature, and uh, one of the one of the ways that I, I make some very powerful, um, you know, soil ingredients, like a lot of these like amulets and stuff I make have like a multitude of ingredients, and one of the ingredients is um, uh, Din Jetpong soil, and Din Jetpong soil um, is a collection of seven different salt licks. So you go to seven different salt licks, and you gather the soil there. And there's a process where you have to appease the land spirits there and the local like land God that's there. And then, um, and then you, you're crossing over like the animal spirits and then you're collecting this uh, soil and then you're using that soil um, to make, you know, powerful amulets. And the reason why that those locations are so powerful is because you have a lot of predators that are stalking 
like, you know, the, the local prey animals that will get mineral content from the salt licks. You have hunters that are in that area. So you have like a lot of death charging, you know, in the spot. So you'll also, because of the amount and power of energy in these little areas, you'll have more powerful spirits that'll come around. So, I mean, that's kind of like an example. And then, you know, cemeteries, um, cemeteries, obviously there's a lot of dead bodies. So you're going to have, um, not just the obvious, you know, um, you know, ghost and, and race and things of that nature that are in a cemetery, but you're going to have a lot of astral parasites because these astral parasites and some of these, um, you know, demonic entities are going to prey on the ghost. They don't just prey on humans. Like, you know, these are opportunists and they're predators and we live in a giant ecosystem that we're not aware of. And so obviously, um, you know, we're kind of on a fringe slash in the middle at the same time of this ecosystem. And we don't realize that like, you know, the same way that these entities will hunt us or prey on us, they're also doing to other spirits, you know, like in the astral. And so, you know, there's like ghost that'll be preyed on by some of these entities as well. So obviously a free buffet would be a cemetery for some, you know, darker, more malevolent energies and entities. Sure. Um, it's a lot of different places that um, will have certain significance. I mean, if you had anything specific to, you know, kind of wanted me to elaborate on, I could go there, but there's just so many examples. Is this something that happens to everybody when they pass on? Like, so let's just say if I died right now, would I just be one of those weak ghosts? Because I, I'm, I don't consider myself a malevolent being. I'd probably be one that would get preyed on. Would I just be a spirit or would I go to the afterlife? Is this what we expect? <clears throat> die? It, it tends to be a multitude of things can happen. Um, and, you know, this basic explanation I'm going to give isn't the be all end all. There's, you know, sure. just this is like a general outline. So um, the way that we do things here in the West kind of presents a very interesting situation because you have a lot of like cremation and you have a lot of embalming. And so in, in the blood is your, your life force prana, your, your energy, right? So when you die in the first 72 hours of passing, your ghost body is going to go and it's going to collect this leftover prana from your body. And it's going to use that prana to, say it's goodbyes to do whatever it needs to handle over here and then cross over and then, you know, begin the soul slumber or go into the astral and um, either join uh, loved ones that are also in the astral in like collected built paradises. So like, for example, whether this is a popular, um, you know, uh, you know, practice of many people or not, some people will have like shared heavens um, like, you know, like picturing Jesus and things like that. And they'll go to this heaven realm. That's not necessarily like a real heaven realm, but it's fully imagined and built over an entire lifetime of like praying and picturing, you know, God and Jesus or like Allah, um, or, you know, like just kind of like this idea of what they think heaven is. And so all of that imaginative energy built over their entire lifetime on passing, they have like fully realized and manifested that. And then they're living in that space. And then other family members will kind of connect with them and can join them. And then over time, that energy will spin out and then they will leave the astral. They'll die their second death. So then they'll shed the ghost body. 
So you die twice. You die in the physical and then you die as a ghost. So even when you cross over and you reincarnate, you're dying a second time. Oof. So you, you so yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but, you know, that's the, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, if anything, you die twice, you don't just die once. So, I mean, the, I guess that however you look at it, it could be positive or negative, exactly. but you know, you'll have, you'll have people that will kind of like take that um, journey. Uh, and then you'll have other people that, um, you know, weren't able to get enough energy because like, say they couldn't get all the prana they needed um, from their body uh, because they were cremated right away or because they were embalmed and they didn't have the time to gather all of that energy. They could be stuck wandering the plains. They could bind themselves to an object or attach themselves to a family member. And this isn't necessarily intentional either. Um, I had a client who uh, her, her grandmother had recently passed away and Every time, you know, she had this quilt that her grandmother had made her and um, she'd, she'd come home from work and she'd be crying about her grandmother. And, um, you know, the grandma was attached to her. And so stuff like she would come home on a hard day and the quilt would be on the bed and the quilt was in a trunk underneath her bed and she'd come home and she lived alone yeah. and like the quilt would be on the bed. And so like, you know, these weird things would happen, but every time phenomena would occur and it was grandma, loving grandma, simply trying to comfort her granddaughter. But every time grandma would generate phenomena, she was drawing on, um, you know, the life force of her granddaughter, which obviously if she knew what she was doing, she would never do that because she loved her granddaughter. Mm. But every time she would try to comfort, she would actually make the granddaughter sick, like physically ill. And so, um, so the grand grandma was attached to the granddaughter because grandma didn't know how when she passed away she wanted to stay and she wanted to help over um help out and watch over her family but she didn't have like practices of strengthening her chi when she was alive didn't really know about all that um she didn't really know what to do when she got her ghost body so you know, it just became like natural, um, like, okay, well to be here, you know, I'm just going to draw energy and not even realizing that she was attaching to her granddaughter and drawing energy, you know? So it was like that love attachment created that actual attachment. And so there are aspects that, you know, there's a lot of different things that can happen to us when we pass over, you have somebody that practices in the occult, whether, whether it's a, in a positive way or a negative way, because their, um, you know, amount of time and practice spent working with energy when they die, it's kind of like they can just go and explore and do all kinds of stuff. And it's, it's kind of like somebody that, um, knows how to rollerblade really well, you know, they can just jump out on the rink and just go doing little tricks and, you know, spinning around because it's comfortable for them. Now, when you get called to someone's house and they're like, hey, Sadhu, I need your help. I've, I've, I've got shit all over the place. Things are getting knocked off my walls. Things are going crazy. When you walk into the house, do you see the spirits? And if you do, how do you see them? Do you see them as like these monsters or do you see them as just regular people that just passed on? Like, how do you see them and how do you differentiate? Uh, well, a lot of times, and it, it's something that... Um, I've learned how to kind of use like glamour to conceal. Um, and what I mean by glamour is like, it's kind of like an illusion. Um, you can make things look a certain way. Um, spirits will do that to like lure people and, uh, you know, but anyways, so I'll, I'll kind of like, I'll go into a house, I'll feel the presence first. 
So like I'll be able to actually feel, you know, the entity or entities. And then once I like feel them at some point, I'll either, you know, kind of force them to come out or they'll come out on their own volition. And then when I'm kind of encountering them um, and I, and I see them within my mind, typically if it's a human spirit, it tries to show me its death state. So like, you know, if this is an uncle that hung himself, like I'm seeing a dude like straight up, like hanging, like in a death loop. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. And so like, I'll have to put up glamour. I'll be like, all right. And you look the way you looked when you were alive. Okay. So now let's talk, you know? So like, I kind of have to change the way they look to me because like, I I don't want to see that stuff, man. You know? And, And when I'm dealing with like inhuman entities, um, a lot of times, like, I'll allow them to take on a shape. So I'll allow them to use the glamour on me um, because when I see them, I see them in their true form, which is usually like, you know, like these kind of like dense clouds or like these amorphous shapes, like they don't really have like, like a body per se. So when, you know, they appear as like, you know, in, in, old wizard looking dude or they appear as like a toad or you know whatever like you know snakes etc like any kind of weird shape or form that they take on is usually like a projection it's not what they actually look like um so i'll just have them take like a pleasing form um just so it's like you know like mano y mano like person to person kind of conversation of and i'm not just talking to this cloud and i'm like am i speaking into the right part you know like <laughs> i mean that's like no socks no shoes no service it's like hey man you got to be respectful if you want me to help you out you got to put some you know you, you got to look you know presentable you can't just look like a fucking yeah like you, you got hit by a train i don't want to see railroad tracks in your face i want to see a human being right yeah, yeah if i'm gonna have a conversation with you like i don't want to look at like you know your half you know head blown off from a shotgun like you know (laughs) show me that fresh haircut you had before you know like (laughs) in in your experience what do they ultimately want what helps them the most to pass on like what gets them out of the realm that we're in into where they're supposed to be honestly what um you know every spirit is different but like one of the one of the common threads with like human spirits that i see is um it's the fear of the unknown it's the it's the fear of not knowing what's waiting for them if they cross over and it's choosing to stay with the familiar even though it's no longer familiar they no longer have a body can't eat food the way we eat food you know, they, they can't feel or touch or experience things the way that we do right now here in the physical. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really sad, honestly. And sometimes I kind of have to like, I have to dissociate my feelings a little bit when I'm working certain cases, because, you know, I'll, I'll have like very difficult moments where I'm like, I'm like, you've got to be the professional, you know, like you, you don't get to fall apart right now, you know, and so like I had this one case with this woman um, and, and I felt so bad for her, but I got her some powerful closure and um, her son, I think it was like 20 or 30 years ago, her son had drowned in the, in the pool in the backyard. He was five years old when he drowned. Oh, and, you know, so this woman like had been living with guilt for, you know, 20, 30 years. And, um, and from time to time, 
you know, her son would appear and he, you know, was, was like very, very confused and kind of blamed her a little bit too, even though it was a complete accident and he was kind of on the verge of turning into a wraith. Um, so, you know, it's the, when she came to me was when like activity started to kind of spike up and this was as it was going in, into its transition of wraithhood and it was starting to get dangerous. Um, so one, once I got involved, um, you know, I, I had this moment before I crossed the spirit over and it was like, I, I had like a full blown conversation with this little five-year-old boy. And, you know, he was, he was like before me dripping wet. And he was like, you know, why did my mommy let me die? Why did my mommy rob me of a whole life? You know, he's like, I've been watching years go by, you know, and he watched his brother grow up, whose brother's like an adult now, you know? And, and it was like, it was freaking hard. Cause like, you know, I, I've got a kid man, you know? Yeah. And so, so that was, it was really difficult for me, but I had to like, I had to stop myself and I had to be like, okay, man, you, you know, that you're not going to be able to make sense of this for him. So you could just be blunt, but also soft and then just get the job done. So I pretty much, I told him, I said, look, you don't have a choice in the matter here. You, you know, you're, you're turning into something that you are not going to understand and is only going to cause um, people around you and you more pain and your mind was not developed enough to understand this yeah. and none of this is going to make sense to you. And it was an unfortunate accident. It's not fair. I can't explain why this happened to you, but you died. You're dead, you know, and it's time for you to go home. And I don't know where home is for you, but I'm going to send you there and you're going to be in a much better place than you are here. And your mom deserves to have some, some freedom from this guilt. It's been burdening her for 20, 30 years. And I just had to be like, just real, just straight up with it. And so, you know, he was kind of pouting when I crossed him over, but he crossed over. And then the next day, um, the mother reaches out to me and it was like, it was one of those moments that actually like teared me up because I didn't even realize what the date was. Mm. And the next day was mother's day. And so she was telling me that um, there was a red rose on her bed when she woke up in the morning and, and she had, she had a dream of her son and it was like, he had grown up and he was like an adult and he gave her this red rose and he told her that he was sorry and that he forgave her and he was going to go now. And then, um, then when she woke up, there was actually a red rose on her bed that appeared out of nowhere. And it's so, like when she told me about that and she told me I gave her like, and she was like in tears and she was telling me that like, I gave her the best mother day, mother's day gift ever. Like it's moments like that. That's like, this is why I do what I do. This is why this is my calling in life. Mm -hmm. Like it's moments like that. That it's like, you just can't put a price on. Like that's such a powerful experience. And like, I got to be, you know, a huge part of like giving this woman closure, giving this little boy spirit closure. Like, you know, I couldn't bring back her dead son. You know, that's not, it's not possible, man. But 
I was able to take a bad situation and create beauty in it. You know, what could be better than that? Oh man, I can only imagine. It, it's got to be hard when you're working with kids because it, just a five-year-old just drowning, just gone. And the mom has to deal with that loss. And then like, you have to step in and talk to this child, and, like as a child, because I can only imagine the conversation, like they have no idea. No, no, oh, not at all. Because they have the mentality of a child, even yeah. though he'd been a ghost for, you know, 20, 30 years, he still had the mentality of a five-year-old. It's tough, but not everything has a happy ending, I'm sure. And um, no, I, I wanted to ask you about some of the tougher cases that you've had. Do you have any that are just like so bad, so evil that you just are like, wow, I, I, I need to call a friend, like maybe call one of your mentors or maybe get some <laughs> teammates or someone to come in and help you with it. Or do you have anything like that? Do you oh, yeah. Experiences? I've had, I've had quite a few like that. Um, there are uh, a couple of teachers that I go to sometimes, even still to this day, um, to get help with. And, and if, I'm, if I'm asking for help with something, like it's something really serious, like it's something major. And like I've gone and done cases on my own where like I've been levitated and thrown against walls. And it's like, you know, like I've, you know, so, so if it's something like, like major, then, um, then I'm going to go and and I'm going to get some, like, I'm going to use my resources, you know, like, you know, these are people who taught me. So like, you know, it's not even a matter of like ego or pride. It's just like common sense that like, obviously if I need help, like I should, I should get some help. Um, but like I, one of the cases that, um, will always haunt me because I don't think there was anything I could have actually really done right. But, um, I had this lady in North Carolina um, who'd been doing like really irresponsible magic. And she had contacted me after um, her daughter, um, I, like, gosh, she was like under the age of 10 and her daughter was being like sexually molested by the, by a spirit, you know, like, 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 like literally, you know, was being like taken advantage of by the spirit at night and this was all starting after the like the lady was like a practicing wiccan but like she wasn't practicing wicca like i don't know why she was saying she was a wiccan because like the things she was doing was like reading stuff off of google she never had a real teacher she was making things up on her own like she had no idea what she was doing Mm -hmm. but she was definitely fucking around with the occult and she like had actually like sacrificed a goat and like cut off its head and like in, with blood, like made an inverted pentagram and like have the goat's head in the middle. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, lady, you have like no freaking clue what you're doing here. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, she, she summoned some, some seriously nasty stuff to the home and I go down there and I take care of it. And like, I got it to leave. And that, that was a pretty tough one. And I, and I got it to leave. And then I was very explicit with her. I was like, you are not to do anything like this ever again. Um, if you do this again, like I'm, I'm not going to come back and play white knight. Like we're not going to keep playing this game over and over. Sure. And honestly, like the, the only reason why, like I immediately got involved here and took this as serious as I did was because of your daughter, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, so she, she ended up doing it again. And then, and it, and it was, it was, it was worse um, the next time that it happened. And um, long story short, um, 
I turned her down. You know, I told her, it's like, I'm not going to play this game again. Like, you're just going to, you're going to keep doing this. And this is kind of like one of those, like, there was really nothing like Ryda could have done. Like, this was all this woman, this own woman's like, you know, choices. You know, I couldn't like force her to like stop. And um, I mean, I could, but I'm, I'm not that kind of person. And it ended up culminating with her ending up in prison uh, for murdering her daughter. And she had been stating that like um, she, she didn't know what happened and she didn't, you know, she didn't mean to, and she was blaming the spirit. And of course the cops don't care. They don't, they don't believe that, you yeah. know? So like, she's sitting there telling the cops like that, you know, this thing took over her and made her kill her daughter. And, you know, and like, the worst part about that it was like i don't think anything i could have done would have saved that little girl and like it was like her sister um you know had gone to retrieve property and stuff um from her and like it found like emails and stuff back and forth between me and her and her sister like practiced magic but like more responsibly and so you know her sister was like you know i heard you were the guy that was helping and you know this is what ended up happening this is why i'm reaching out to you you know and she was, you know, just kind of like telling me, thank you for all that you did. And we, we kind of had our own little private conversation, but you know, that, that one definitely gets to me because, um, I don't think bringing in additional help or different approaches would have really changed this own woman's like choices and intentions and like what she was doing. And, um, yeah, I just wish she would have like had the, um, the foresight to realize that like it wasn't just her life she was gambling with but like you know it was her daughter and unfortunately like an innocent life was lost and and that is a thing that happens in like in in the cases that i've worked sometimes is like there are murder suicides and like if you go and you look at some of these like ghost hunter shows and stuff like Mm -hmm. you'll see cases of like some of these like you know, former famous like investigators or like people that they end up going to a mental hospital at like, you know, or, or like they end up involved in like, you know, a very bizarre accident or they, or they like wind up like murdering somebody or like, you know, they commit suicide, things like that. And, um, you know, it's like stuff's not a game, man. Like the end goal for a lot of these spirits when they invest in the home is they're gunning for possession. Um, ultimately, uh, to take over for like a perfect possession or to like create a massive feeding through the energy created through a murder suicide. And you got to realize like if a spirit's possessing your body and it induces like a murder suicide, the spirit's not dying. Like it's as soon as that act is committed, like it's jumping ship splitting and then it's feeding on all of that energy. And it's going to go out and do it again. It's just, it's being like, like a tiger, like a tiger is not evil when it preys on uh, animals in the wild or if it attacks a human from, you know, like a rural village, like mm-hmm. a tiger is just being a tiger. These things are just doing what they naturally do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we have the ability um, to not only protect ourselves if we're getting involved with this type of stuff, um, which some people just don't like paranormal investigators kind of like not, not a big fan of them because they tend to run around blind. Um, exactly. But also, you have the the whole aspect of like people going and, and dabbling around and things that they have like no business dabbling around in. And it's like, what do you, what do you expect? Of course. Now, can you describe a day in your life? Because I'm thinking of myself now as a spirit. And if I'm a spirit and I'm just haunting people and they're paying me no mind, 
Did you ever see the movie Beetlejuice? I'm, I'm, I'm sure you saw it, right? I love Beetlejuice. Yeah. Do you remember the scene <laughs> where uh, Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis are trying to scare the people, but they're like, they can't even see them, right? And that's how yes. I feel like a spirit would be <laughs> if you're in a house of night, people that don't believe in the afterlife, but you are a person who believes. So I would be a spirit who would flock with someone like you because I'm a spirit. I'm like, I, hey, he can see me. He could talk to me. I'm going to go to him. Is this what your life is like? Do you just have these things all the time? Just say, hey, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. All these like voices in your ear. Like, what is a typical day in the life of Saduda? Well, the reason why spirits aren't flocking to me constantly is because I have the equivalent of a super exclusive like nightclub, you know, um, as, <laughs> as like my house. And what I mean is like, first, you got to get past the bouncer you know and and like second like they're not just gonna even if even if they do let you in they're, they're not gonna let you into the vip section you know if you're not vip so it's like you know i have a lot of like um you know wards and protection like on my own energy um and like you know i had things that were done to me in like ritual and initiations like from my masters that give me like lineage protection and stuff of that nature and then i have amulets that i that i always wear and talismans um, and then I have like Fayant claws, which have like sacred poly spells and things like that on them. And then I have like this giant altar, like, um, you know, if you like look over there, like, oh yeah. Okay. I say, oh my goodness. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff on there. Sweet. Yeah. So I have all, I have all these like spirit statues. And so like, huh? you know, they're, they're kind of like my bodyguards. And then, you know, I, I just like, have all this warding like out the ass on my home and it, it's just like it's like fort knox in here you know like you don't know if there's gold in here or not and you'll never find out because you can't get in you know uh -huh. so like <laughs> so i have you know i just have like all this protection and, and it's um it's it's not only necessary because like the level of stuff that i'm messing with on, on a regular basis but like you know, uh, I, I banish entities and I deal with things and like remove curses and stuff like on a regular basis for clients. And, you know, obviously if I just left myself wide open, like, honestly, it'd be my fault if something just came in and attacked me um, because I should know better, you know, I'm messing with things on a regular basis. So like, I need to be educated enough and experienced enough to be able to account for that happening. So my home is not filled with spirits other than my spirits. And these are spirits that I have welcomed into my home and that I let be in my home. And yes, stuff does move around sometimes. And sometimes they'll like come up to me and like they'll reveal themselves to me and they'll show me things and talk to me. But like, we also have like, we have like an understanding, like if I'm playing my Xbox or something, like <laughs> my little, uh, my Bifong uh, spirit, like, uh, you know, he has an understanding like not to bother me when I'm doing certain things. Mm -hmm. And so like, uh, and, and he's, he's like my strongest spirit. And so he'll tell all my other spirits, like they like answer to him. So, um, sometimes like, you know, I'll be, I'll be doing like, um, you know, ritual and I'll invite my spirits to like add their spiritual power in. And so it's like, I just have, um, you know, a very personal relationship with the spirits that are in my house. And I don't really need to let any others in. Yeah. Now, you mentioned like having like all the, you know, like protection spells, I guess. If I mean, like this is just me speaking in layman's terms. I don't understand it as much. Obviously, I'm just an idiot, right? So you have like these things that are protecting 
like wards that are keeping out the spirits. Are there any that can breach? Like, like there's levels obviously to the spirits. Like you got your, your ghosts, your, your wraiths, and you got like, you know, your higher level beings that can just break through and just come to you. Are, are there any that you're like worried about that can just come in? Has it ever happened before? Or is your magic just that good that it keeps everything out? Uh, in the past, definitely happened. Definitely happened. And there is such things as like, you know, holy items that are like, you know, sacred talismans and stuff becoming corrupted. Um, you know, that, that is a thing. Um, but like what I have going on over here is like the Shangri-La, you know, like I, I have just ridiculous overkill. Like I have several hundred like Thai, alum, uh, Thai amulets and talismans, you know, I have well over 60 something spirit statues with very powerful spirits in them. Like the, the level of protection that I have going on here is like very, very high level. And then you also got to take into account, I'm putting spiritual protection with my own energy and using like prayers. And then like, I have like my master's blessings that, uh, that I have like, you know, regularly receive and get to put like over my objects in my home and I strengthen the energies um, and I strengthen the power of my um, amulets and my spirits, um, the more ritual work I do with them. So like, I, I'm not worried about that. And I haven't had to worry about that in quite a while um, because I've, I've learned through not only trial and error, but through like experience and like, you know, just kind of like as, as time has gone on and, and I've done more, seen more and experienced more, uh, you know, you, you kind of get a feel for what works and what doesn't and what works best. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I have several things that I think are really good and work well, and I know that I can blend them with other things, then why would I not add more, more, more? So, I mean, I have like, uh, like, could I do a bunch of the work that I do with just one, one of these spirit statues? Yes. But why would I just use one when I could use like 63 exactly. and just over overkill it, you know? Of course, of course. It makes sense. Now, where do you get the spirits that you attach to the items behind you, uh, you know, on the altar there? Like, where do you get them from? And it kind of sounds to me, I'm just, I'm just going to throw this out there. It sounds like you're keeping these spirits, like almost like, like unpaid workers. Like you're oh, keeping. They're paid. They're paid quite well, actually. Let's hear about uh, it. And I, and I, I, am, love, I love that you ask about it. I am so curious about everything. I just want to know everything. So um, I have a lot of human spirits um, and, and I have a, um, a lot of spirits that aren't human. And um, the spirits that are human, what they're paid in is they're paid in merit. Um, they get offerings and things of that nature, sure. But like the big appeal to them, and they could leave it at any time they want. They're not, they're not bound. The spirit statues are more of a home. They're not bound to the object. You know, they're not gotcha. stuck in that object. That's what I was worried um, about. Yeah, no, I'm not that kind of uh, mage. <laughs> um, so when I say they're paid very well and they're paid in merit, um, you know, they, they haven't reincarnated yet. So they have lived a certain life that might've ended prematurely, or they only did so much in their, in their lives. And the type of work that I do and what I'm doing on a regular basis, I'm generating lots of good karma, lots of good merits, lots of good deeds that I do. And 
obviously that that's kind of like building up in a way. Mm -hmm. And I share those good deeds. I share that good uh, karma and those merits um, with these spirits. So when these spirits reach a certain point, um, they can kind of cash in on that. And then their next reincarnation is going to be a higher incarnation than if they would have just reincarnated as is. So they actually benefit in the long run. And instead of wandering around in the astral and maybe, you know, possibly being food to other beings, they, they have a lot more power and access to that power. And they don't have to worry about getting their next, like, you know, energetic meal, essentially, you know, because of these spirit statues and the way that they're built, they're basically like batteries. And because of like the deal that they're getting and they have, they have companionship, they, you know, they have food, they have a shelter, they have all their needs met, you know, like they're very, very well taken care of. And like, you know, these aren't just tools to me, like, you know, these, these are, these are literally my friends. Like I, I care about them very, very deeply. Like, you know, these, these spirits, um, they're very, very close to me. In fact, um, the day that I die, um, I hope the first thing I see and that I'm greeted with is, is the faces of all my spirits. You know, I can't think of anything I would want more than the moment that I pass over is to be greeted by friends. And these are my friends. So like, yeah, they're not slaves. They're not just tools. Um, you know, they, they're very, very close to my heart. I care very deeply for these beings. And, um, and I have like, uh, these, uh, these Kuomintang. So, um, I'll show you one that I made. Oh, please do. Oh, that's awesome. Now, for those of you guys at home that can't see this, obviously, it's an audio podcast. This is like a yellow uh, doll that's just got a lot of writing on it. It looks really cool. It's, it's, it's awesome. And you made that yourself. Yes. That is cool. So, like, what are all the, like, to, like scribble on it? Like, what does all that mean? So, this is, um, this is Pali, um, P-A-L-I, and it's like a, an ancient language uh, kind of similar to, like, Sanskrit. Um, it's a very old language and what it is that you are seeing, like the little umlauts and stuff is, um, they're spells. So basically these are, these are each one of these is like, uh, so for example, this one right here that looks like two fives. Yeah. 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 So that, that increases power. So, so these are all spells that are doing certain things. They have, they have a certain like code think of like um like dos like if you're on a computer right yep, so you're exactly. doing coding so like this is basically like the coding for the statue so when the spirit comes into the statue it's basically telling it the rules it's telling it um what it has access to what it can do um and what to do with what it has so you know it's, it's kind of like the all-in-one program and then you know you're just kicking it live when you put the spirit in there so before that point, you know, it's just a powerful vessel could be a, a talisman of its own. Um, but then you put the spirit in it and the spirit can work with all that energy. It can do some really incredible things. And so like the Kumantang is, is a very, it's, it's a sad story, but it, it's also, um, it's a beautiful story. And, and a lot of people have mixed feelings about it. So Kumantang is, um, often referred to as Thailand's little golden boy. That's what it translates to. And the way that they used to be made, which is understandably illegal now, was they would take the still stillborn corpse of a baby and they would go into like 
they would go into like a cemetery and they would do these rituals and ceremonies. And I actually know, know like the, the whole um, uh, process of doing like the original ceremony. And so, um, so what, so th- what they do is they would roast the baby's corpse over a uh, fire. And, you know, you know, this, this isn't like they killed a baby. Like the baby was already dead. Yeah, and then, oh, okay. you know, they, they roast the corpse and then um, they uh, cover the charred corpse in, um, in naman prey oil. So like melted chin fat oil from a dead body. And then, and then they coat it with a uh, gold leaf. And so hence Thailand's little golden boy, those aren't legal anymore, but what, <laughs> <I'm thinking not. laughs> what, what, what they've, what they've switched to doing now is like making dolls, little uh, golden painted yellow dolls with all the spells. And it still has like the kathas and like, you know, the ceremony uh, aspects of it. And some of them will have like pieces of like uh chinathan, which is like, um, you know, human bone. Um, and, uh, and like, that'll be added to increase the power and stuff. And so, um, so you have, you have, it's, it's a stillborn, you know, child. And, um, you know, for people that don't really have like a full um, open mind, they might just see that as like, you know, that sounds really dark. That sounds like black magic. That sounds like necromancy. And it's like, well, yeah, you're right. But also you have to take into account that the Western mindset of black magic and the Western mindset of necromancy is very different than the Eastern mindset of it. And it's all about intention, intention, intention. So like Thai Barang, uh, Thai Barang is something I'm very proficient with. Barang um, in Thai means like um, like necromancy, voodoo, like, you know, it's it's a very specific type of working. That doesn't make it evil just because it's working with dead humans spirits and remains um it's it's all about the intention so for example with the gumentong what i'll do when i get like i'll reach in the veil i'll find a, you know a stillborn human spirit and i'll bring it out of the veil and then i'll put it inside of this object i'll do the ceremony all this like it, it looks pretty flashy and showy when i do it but uh so i'll do this whole like you know ceremony and ritual and then what the gumentong is getting is this baby is going to take so, so long to reincarnate on its own. And it's not necessarily going to be safe um, in that time. So you are, you are, you are getting a very, very powerful spirit, even though it's just a baby is a very, very powerful spirit because it has, it has the potential of an entire life. It never got to live. So it's like that, that whole potential, you know, it's very, very powerful energy. Um, So you're, you're, you're raising it as your own child, you're teaching it, you're giving it experiences, you're, um, you're helping it to reincarnate faster than it would have on its own. So even just by that notion, you're already benefiting the spirit more than it would have been benefited just by its own left to its own devices. And it was not going to make it over on the other side by itself, you know, sorry, but that's just how that works. Um, it's not always fair. People just assume like you're going to cross over and things will be okay. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that your uncle died in a car wreck, but that doesn't mean that your uncle went to heaven. That doesn't mean that your uncle's in a better place. You know, like that's not always the case. Like, you know, this is an ecosystem. Some of this is random, even though there is structure and order, there is order within chaos itself. So like you have to understand there's a lot more going on than meets the eye. Um, and with the Kumantang, you have like, you know, this aspect of you're sharing the merit with them. 
so you so you're you're helping them to when they have their reincarnation and it's a higher incarnation you're helping them to become um you know better and and um and to do good deeds and you know in in the future to help even more people and do things that they might not have like been aligned to do necessarily beforehand so like it, it actually becomes like a very beautiful thing and and there is this aspect in thai culture where where parents you know who had their child ripped from their arms, you know, just by life itself and, um, and, you know, illness and death and like, you know, their child's gone forever. They're not getting their child back, but they can find a huge amount of like, you know, therapy and, um, and helping their grieving process by taking, um, and this is actually a common practice in Thailand as well, is they'll, 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 they'll bring their, some of the remains like, you know, cremated ashes, because you can't do the body anymore. That's illegal now, but they'll take some of the cremated ashes or they'll take picture of, of the baby and, and they'll bring it to a monk or they'll bring it to an Ajarn or a Lersi or Ruisi, one of these spiritual masters. And they'll have them um, put the, that their you know, the parents, you know, stillborn babies, like they'll put the spirit in like a statue. And then the, and then the parents, you know, part of caring for the Gumantang is when you make meals, you have to set meal like there's there's all kinds of care instructions for them. like you when you make meals you got to set food aside not on your plate on a separate plate and and you have to offer it to the gumantang so you actually have to feed them when they do good things and they help you you buy them um you know toys or you give them treats um on tuesdays and saturdays which are which is the days of the dead for working with days of the uh, with spirits like you know of the human order mm-hmm. like you you um you give them offering and incense you regularly dedicate your merits and good deeds to them so it's like like full blown not just like having a little statue in the house like you're actually like putting energy time and effort into it that's like when i sell these like i make gumantang spirit statues and i make prey um and look prey uh spirit statues which are just like regular human ghosts and when i make these and i sell these to clients like i am very very uh, clear on like if you cannot take care of this spirit like do not buy this from me because you're going to end up coming to me to help you with a haunting in your home because if you don't take care of this spirit and you piss it off and you neglect it or you abuse it you're literally going to have a haunted house like these things will help you these are real spirits like they will do things to help benefit your life but if it's not a two-way street like don't be surprised if you end up having a haunted home and then, you know, like, yeah, exactly. Now this is, now this is crazy, man. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm learning so much and I'm so grateful for everything you're telling me because I'm, my, my mind is freaking blown right now. And uh, I, I just want to ask you this too. Uh, what, what is it like when you're talking to someone like someone that you may have grown up with that didn't know this side of you and you tell them this side of you, <laughs> what kind of reactions do you get? Do you lose friends? Do you have a, like a small circle of people? Are you alone? Tell me about that. I'm definitely, um, definitely a bit of a hermit. Um, I have uh, a lot of family that's Christian that has, um, you know, written me off, um, that, um, you know, like, like, for example, um, you know, like I went to go visit my mom, you know, I'm here in Washington and, uh, my mom and, and like a lot of my family live in Texas and I, I go and visit my mom, you know, a few years ago. And, um, 
you know, staying over there for like a week, you know, and doing like my morning meditation and stuff. And I'm like doing like, you know, like my prayers and, um, and my chants and like, you know, I have this one that I do, which is like a very, very common one. And it's used like in every ceremony. And like, it's, it's like how you start pretty much anything is the Namo Tatsa Bhagavato Arahato Samasam Bodhasa. Oh, you're not sitting something in my house, are you? <laughs> no, that's, don't so do that. what, <laughs> what, what that, what that prayer is saying is you're, you're honoring the Buddha, the Sangha and the Dhamma. So you're honoring the teachings you're honoring the teachers, the, the monks, and you're and you're honoring like the one who who found the way, the Buddha. So, the, so that that prayer, it's 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 literally, you know, you're just you're giving thanks, and you're also asking for protection, and um and you're showing gratitude, you know. So like you know, it's it's a very beautiful um you know prayer and chant, and um, it's it's funny because I was saying that, and then my mom was like, you know, I don't, I don't want you doing that devil worshiping in my house. And it's like, I'm like, oh, gosh, even if I could explain this to you right now, the cognitive dissonance is just too real here. Like, like you're, you're not even going to hear me, you know, mm-hmm. like nothing not I say is, is going to convince you that I am not worshiping the devil right now. <laughs> this is all you're hearing is devil worship, yeah. you know? And mm-hmm. so like, and, and she, even at one point she was like, and I don't even want you doing that devil yoga crap in my house either. And I'm like, okay, so clearly that tells me if yoga is evil to you, like, okay. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> oh, so like, I, I've, I've got a lot of family members that, that don't like what I do or support it which is hilarious because like, you know, I don't judge my mom or hold it against my mom that she went to prison for five years for drug charges and, you know, or was like a prostitute when I was a child. Like I don't hold that against her, but like, you know, me not being a Christian, like mm-hmm. worst thing in the world, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and like, I have childhood friends that, um, that like kind of like distance themselves from me, but um, I, I mainly, most of my friends these days are literally monks or there's some of my students. Um, and I do have like a very small circle, but, uh, but the people that are in my life, um, they, they understand me, they love me, they value me. And it doesn't matter how small my circle is. Um, I'm very, very fulfilled. Um, I have the people that I want in my life. Uh, and the people uh, I need in my life. Mm-hmm. And that's really all that matters. And that's a perfect answer right there. Because the thing is, it's like, you have to have like-minded people and there's so much negativity in the world. You got right versus left, this versus that. You, know, you have to find people that you have a common connection with. And that is great that you found people that you have a connection with. And I, and, and, and I admire that because a lot of people need that in their lives. And it's the whole tribalistic you know, mindset that we have in life now. And, and it's good that you have people that you can talk to and just kind of vent to. And I, I, and I'm telling you, this is a blast. I, I, I love learning about this stuff because no one knows that's the thing. Like, no one knows what goes on when you die and no one knows like what's waiting for you. So it's great that you're shedding some light on this, but I want to ask you because we, we, we did talk a lot about uh, like human clients, people that are still breathing and have, you know, a physical mind and, and body. Do you ever have spirits come to you asking you for help and what kind of help would they ask you for like help passing on or moving on or like what do they ask you for um yeah so uh like i do i do charity work um and so for, for example my my charity work so 10 percent of all the work i do 
is completely like um uncharged um because uh, like i you know i'm in pretty high demand for some of my services sure. and some of my other services i don't charge for at all like like when i do exorcisms if there's a genuine case of possession i never charge for possession cases um now if you want me to bless your home if you want an energy healing a hypnotherapy session anything like that that costs money if you want me to do ritual work for you that costs money you want spirit statues that costs money but like if a life is truly in danger i do not charge for that and i kind of go by the same notion of like charity work when when it comes to just like spirits in general so if i'm out and about or i go to a place and i find out like you know like for example if i see like if i see like a uh, you know i'm passing by in a car and um you know i see like a cross on the side of the road you know like obviously like somebody died there you know there's a car wreck there I'll kind of like tune my senses real quick. And if I, if I sense like, I'm not going to over overly invest into it, but if I happen to sense that there's something right there, then I'll just cross it over real quick. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and um, so those are like kind of some instances where I'll just like, you know, I'll just kind of handle that, deal with it, take care of it. Um, just because like, I think it's the right thing to do. And then um, every once in a while when I'm doing like, you know, work for a client i have so much protection up at all times and warding that like if i don't really want to see them or deal with them like i don't have to um i could just block them out uh but uh when i'm doing a certain work like i'm kind of more open um and when i'm working with clients usually some spirits will kind of hang around in my orbit um until till they find an opportunity so i'll like i'll be doing a cleansing for a client or something and then it's like basically like a line of spirits that are just going to be like, Hey, like while you're here, like, you know, <laughs> like raising their hand and I'll just be like, all right, like, so I'm going to open the door. I'm going to, I'm going to lift this light, like hop on this little disc and I'm going to launch all, all, all up. Everybody get on board. Like, this is the only time I'm going to do this like this week or, you know, wherever, like, you know, like come now, speak now or forever, hold your peace. Like, you know, so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to kind of have boundaries. You got to kind of be firm. It's kind of like, um, you know, you, you work in a job where there's a lot of demands or, you know, the hours are pretty open or like, you know, like your salary pay, like at some point you got to turn off the phone, you know, you go home, like you need your you time. Like you got to turn off the phone. You're on vacation. Like, like you don't answer the phone. Like mm-hmm. you, you got to have that work-life balance. And just because this is what I do and this is like my life, um, you know, does not mean that it that it constantly has to be sadu da sadu da sadu da. Yep. Like sometimes I just want to play my Xbox, and I don't know why. To some to some people, like my students that know me, you know, they, they know how I am. I'm I am a human. I eat food. I live a life. Like I have a mm-hmm. girlfriend. I have sex. Like you know, like I do things. Exactly. And it's it's funny because some people will just be like perplexed. They're like well, what do you do in your spare time? And they think I'm just always making amulets and talismans and healings. And it's like, well, no, sometimes I jump on the Xbox and I play monster hunter world or like, you know, it's like, exactly. yeah, I read comic books. Like I'm not always reading sacred comic books. Man after my own heart right here, man after my own heart, (laughs) comic books. I love them. 
I mean, like, I imagine it like you're almost like the person who is in the neighborhood who like leaves out cat food because there's stray cats in the area. One comes, they see there's food there. And then every night there's more and more and more coming and they're just meowing at your door and they're not even your cats. You just left food out one night. Now they keep yeah. coming to you. That's why I imagine spirits are to you. It's just, it's just, it must be crazy nonstop business. People die every day. And they're always yes. coming to you. It's it's like word of mouth. It's like, hey, there's this guy down the road. He fucking sent my buddy over last week. He's gonna get me next. You got to go tell everyone about him. So I, well, I and they can sense it. Yeah, like, they can feel that energy too. It's like you look out your window right now. I guarantee you, there's like a thousand of them just fucking like, hey, hey, come on, me next, me next. You know, it's fucking crazy. I mean, it could, you know, it could be really, really scary. Um, so sometimes for shits and giggles, I, I mean. This is kind of dark, but like <laughs> I, I have a dark sense of humor sometimes. So I like I like meeting like genuine mediums and um, and I, you know, I come across so many mediums like fake mediums. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so like when I come across a real medium, um, like metaphysical event or something like that, you know, I'll just be like, you know what? I'll like um, I'll do a I'll do a, a you know, like a 10 minute little like energy healing on you um if you do a little reading for me and it's because i just like i don't really care what they say i just i just want to i just want to see their their reaction and so like sure. i'll kind of lower my words down a little bit and i'll and i'll let them look and oftentimes like i i they they get really scared initially because they'll be like i see i see a sea of dead people surrounding you you're drowning in them and i'm like I'm like, oh yeah, like that's like my entourage. They're there all the time. You know? <laughs> like, my boys. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, I'm like, yeah, tell me something I don't know. You know, but it's like it's a shock to them. Or they're or, or you know, like they experience that too. And they're just like, oh, you too, huh? You know, and it's like <laughs> you know, they're like kind of jaded. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, so I have a few more questions here for you. And I mean, this is just there. There's so much to unpack here. There's just there's, there's absolutely so much here. I just want to ask you because there was a movie on the other day I saw called Malignant. It was on HBO Max. And there's a whole bunch of horror movies out there. So many different you know perspectives on what happens in the afterlife and just all sorts of things that try to scare the shit out of you. Have you ever seen the movie and you're like, wow, that one actually got it right? Um. Yeah, there's been a couple of them. Um, one of them that um, me, me and one of my teachers actually watched together um, in theaters three times um, in the same week because it was so good was uh, Hereditary. I don't know if you've seen Hereditary. I've never seen that one, no. So um, whoever put together Hereditary, they did their freaking occult research and what I mean by they did their occult research was, you know, they got a perfect possession down right. And like um, ancestral cults and things of that nature. It wasn't even like, it wasn't even like some of the lore that they put on Payman, one of the spirits of the Goetia was just total crap. And like, and the way that like, you know, Payman would, um, you know, like possess and want to host and stuff like complete crap. Like Payman's not a demon. Haman is a blue gin, like a genie, you know, like, like there's, there's a lot that was inaccurate in that sense, but like the structuring of like how the spirit possession would take over and like host body preparation. And like some of these like super freaking dark cults, which unfortunately do exist in the world. They are very secretive, but like they're real. 
Um, I've had a couple run-ins with some of them. Um, one of my teachers actually like disbanded one and like, it, it was insane. Uh, he has a lot of PTSD from that case. Uh, people died. Uh, one of his teammates actually died on that case. And it was like, it was some really, really fucked up shit. Like it was really bad, like really mm-hmm. bad. And these were just like super, like basically super villains, man. Like they had, they had a goal and sure. there was nothing good about it, but you know, they were, they were destined to achieve it. And anyways, so hereditary, just the, the way it was structured. I mean, gosh, like, like if I was going to perfectly possess like a host and do like, if I was going to go that route, like I would definitely be doing and implementing a lot of things that they did in that movie. And Mm -hmm. I just, I was, I was shocked by it because, um, because it was very well put together. Um, And then, and then I'd say like, um, like the structuring for stage one, stage two, stage three with the insidious movies um that was that was well done like like classic classic possession does take hold like that so like like that is like you know cut the hollywood and look at how the spirit enters uh how the phenomena starts and and the end result of all of it and the buildup like that is what cases i work on look like that's how stuff unfolds Mm. it's like you know the infestation manifestation um you know overshadowing transient possession possession that is that is how it unfolds mm-hmm. now when i looked at your shrine in, in the back there that's the first thing i thought of was frank and lorraine warren i was thinking about you know how they had the Annabelle ball <laughs> everything in case i'm like oh my god this guy's got all these fucking demons that he's got from all these other cases <laughs> in the background like holy shit that's the yeah, first thing uh, i thought of oh this, god I this love one, those movies. so some of my dolls are very scary to people. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. What the hell? <laughs> this thing's all right. This thing looks like a mutated baby. It's got like a cross, an upside down cross in its head, blacked out eyes. Like it looks like blood all over it. I, I, a, I, I don't little, want that jumping through the computer screen and, 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 and he's getting, a sweetheart. Like, like this that's guy a is nice a total, one. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he's a total sweetheart. Like this is a sweet little baby. Like he is, oh my gosh, he has great manners. He is super helpful. He's very strong. And like, you know, oh it's kind of like, it's kind of like how some people would like look at, um, you know, they look at tarantulas and they're like, isn't it so beautiful? And, and you know, and you're just like, that is a giant spider. I'm scared. It's like, some people aren't going to understand the love that I have, you know, like, oh. like, you know, like this thing. Oh my gosh. Like I love this thing so much. And then I have ones like, like you'll find this one very interesting. Oh, okay. So this one is like a it looks like a naked woman. Yeah. See boobs. Oh my goodness. So what so what's the deal with this one? So this one is um to help with business and is also like um she's she's like a whisper. So she'll like she'll whisper um, you know, things like into my ear. Um, whether it be like, you know, to do something different yeah. or something that's going to like basically found that like she's also um, really good working with some of my other spirits and like helping me do some like healing work and stuff like that. So like there were some things that like she was kind of like designed to do, but like 
she does more than that. Like she's actually a lot more helpful than I was initially led to believe she would be. Um, and I, and I kind of, I mostly got her at, I'm not going to lie to you. I got her for the aesthetic of having like a naked lady statue, but, mm. um, but it's actually like a, a pretty potent spirit and a super helpful. And um, so like, so, so like the clay that she's like made from, you know, th this is like an example of like how some of the human remains are used. So there, are, there's human ashes mixed in that clay, but then you also have like really old, like, you know, Buddhist poems and like scripts um, from some of these temples, like some of the ingredients that they make with these holy powders, um, like it would make a historian's mind like boggle. Uh, they'll like burn some of the, uh, the scriptures and like these are old historical texts, like one of a kind, like you know, yeah. rare. And and they'll burn the pages, and like it'll become like an ingredient mixed. The ashes will mix in, and then so like when you stack those powers and you mix like that sacred power with like the dead energy, and then it just becomes like really really powerful. Like, I mean, we're talking like occult sciences here, so like mm -hmm. I wouldn't necessarily expect you to understand the complexities of it, but there there is a certain fascination when you find out what some of the ingredients are with some of these things because you're just like that's so interesting now there's one that really caught my eye it's directly behind you it's in between the bookshelf it's like a blue alien what is that ah. <laughs> what is that, that one is, yeah this one um it's kind of creeping me out a little this bit is, this is one that uh that i made oh my goodness Okay, now this one, yeah, all right, you got to explain this one. This is like a blue doll that's wearing a mask. <laughs> and she's and huge. It's very, it's the biggest one by far that you got. It's, <laughs> yo, my goodness. What's the yeah, deal with so, that? So this is, um, this is a water goddess. Okay. So she's a water goddess. And, and actually, um, I have her sigil uh, tattooed on my hand. So um, she's one of my spirit guides. Um, when I first kind of embarked on, you know, the, the path of the occult and started like working with spirits, she was pretty much the first one that came to me. So um, like I, I kind of had some really powerful experiences with her, her name is Eiji. Um, and Eiji is an, like, you know, I, <laughs> no pun intended. She's a total doll. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. It is. It's yeah, a beautiful like very mother, motherly energy. You know, yeah. very protective. Um, Eiji saved my life a couple times. Uh, I was uh, actually that really, really bad possession that I had years ago. Um, one of the things that that helped bring me back um, when I, I I refer to it as, as becoming conscious again was. Um, was I heard I heard this this chant this prayer in a female voice it was like I heard it out of the depths of nowhere out of like the abyss and I like just I heard this thing calling to me and it was like it's so hard to explain but it's like it was like I became aware it's like I became aware again and didn't know that I wasn't aware like no. I didn't know that I disappeared and what brought my awareness back was I I heard this like sweet female voice um saying this prayer in another language to me and um and i followed that sound back and that sound helped me help bring me back and, and that was easy so like she's very very much so like a mother very protective very caring um 
and in her own right damn it she is definitely a goddess <laughs> is there ever a time where like they have to move on like have you ever had an experience with yes. any of these where they're like hey you know sadhu it, it it's been cool but it's time for me to go yeah so that'll happen with some of the gumantang statues and prey statues is like um you know they'll kind of reach that point uh, and it might take generations you know it, it might not just happen in your lifetime. It might, because um, some Kumantong and, and prey statues are like passed down from family to family, you know, and um, you, you might be the unlucky family member who's like had this, you know, spirit, like, you know, kind of working with the family for, for generations. And it's like, well, you know, it's been nice this all of two minutes getting to know you, but, uh, you know, my time's up now. I'm leaving, you know. So, like, you know, but like, that's a good thing because that means they're, they're they've gotten what they needed you know, the exchange is complete, things are balanced and like, they're moving on, you know, mm. you should be happy for them, you know? Mm. And, and, and what I would usually do at that point and what most people do when like, cause like, the vessel's still good, you know? So you, you go and you have like a ceremony to put another spirit in it. Um, and I've only had like one or two spirits that have done that. And I just kind of like, you know, replace them, um, with new ones. But, um, I, I'm very like selective in the spirits that I choose and, and, and how I call them. And I tend to get ones that like, you know, are, are going to be around for a while because they, they have a lot of like work that they need to do for themselves, which, you know, it benefits them, you know, because they're, they're getting all that help and assistance with that, but also like, you know, you know call it selfish if you want but it, it also really benefits me because you know i know that they're going to be around longer they're going to do more with me sure. uh, and, and for me so you know it's it's like a it's symbiotic you know of course now i got two more questions for you because we can go literally all night <laughs> i have so many questions but i don't want to keep you too too much longer but i, I do have two important questions for you because I, I was scouring the website i was trying to learn as much as i could about this and it's good to get it from the horse's mouth that's why i want to ask you about this one you mentioned on the site something called trauma personality. And I want to know exactly what that means. Ah, yes. So a, a trauma personality, uh, we're about to get weird here. Oh, let's get weird. So, That's what the show's all about. A, a trauma personality is when you have, um, so you have an ISC, the initial sensitizing event. So you have this traumatic experience that your body now remembers and you know it could be the reason why like you have an aversion to swimming or something because that one time you almost drowned right so so the ise the initial sensitizing event of you almost drowning has created a coded memory in your neurology where your subconscious created a program that says for survival to occur we need to avoid doing xyz so swimming now becomes something you have an aversion to. So that ISE creates a program, right? And then what you're supposed to do is you're either supposed to heal that trauma response that happens in the body. And then you're able to use like that program that's created in a healthy way where it's like, okay, so instead of having an aversion to swimming, we realize that we almost died doing this. So because we dealt with the trauma of this incident and we no longer have that cortisol and that adrenal response still spinning in our body in the background what we're able to do now is we're able to look at swimming and say okay we almost died this way so now we need to be more cautious and and we need we need to have consideration when we swim so that'd be a healthy response 
but let's say you have um you know a unhealthy trauma that um you know festers and boils in your body and never gets processed or dealt with and then reaches a point where it adopts a personality of its own it becomes so disassociated that that trauma fragment splits off kind of similar to um to a borderline personality disorder yeah okay so you'll have this trauma personality inside of your mind that is different from your main host personality and it takes on a life of its own because the trauma was so intense and so severe and never processed or dealt with that it is separates from your main ego identity and then it starts to go to war with with itself uh war with you essentially and it thinks that it's something separate and then it accumulates like further life and separation in the fourth dimension so it goes beyond like the mental plane and it goes into the fourth dimension and then you have like this aspect of a part of your mind trying to like kill you and take over because it doesn't believe that it's part of your mind anymore. If it, it's, it's almost like a spirit at that point, it's like a spirit possessing you, a spirit attached to you. So it's, it's truly bizarre because it, it presents. And, and this is also like something that I have to take into account when I was like, could it be spiritual and, and mental health at the same time? When mm. I gave that example, this is mm. like a perfect uh, description of what I'm talking about there. So you could have, you know, this attachment style or, um, you know, spirit possession looking example of something, but it's literally just like a really fractured personality and trauma um, that, that is like acting like a spirit. Oh man, that's, that's crazy. Cause as you were saying that I was thinking to myself, I had a traumatic experience when I was younger when I went to the beach with my family, I was like five or six years old. And my uncle was throwing me in the ocean water and he dunked my head under for like, not even like five seconds. But in my mind, it was like five minutes. And I thought I was going to drown and die. And we moved down here to South Carolina, Myrtle beach. And we went to the beach and we went out to the water with our kids, my wife and I, and the water hit my, like, like hit like right here, like up to my like chest area. And immediately I went back to that moment when I was underwater and I felt like I was drowning again. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And it, it's some powerful shit, man. It's something that you repress, you forget about, but it comes just like that right back to you. And it's crippling. See, and, that, and that was a trigger right there. So like yeah. that going back in the water triggered that. Yeah. But see, what your subconscious mind was telling you in that moment was it was it was telling you to process and deal with that. Yeah. Um, but because you hadn't processed and dealt with it that up to that point, it was basically recreating that. So yeah. it was kind of like inducing it again, it was playing yeah. it on a loop yeah. um, for you to consciously experience. But that was already happening in the background, like 24 mm-hmm. seven. Exactly. Um, trauma exactly. healing is so important, man. Um, it's like one of the first things that I teach like my students is like, if you want to become, you know, a powerful magician, you want to, you want to like, like go far with this stuff. You want to know what separates, mm. you know, the, tr- the truly powerful, you know, magical practitioners from, you know, the intermediate or like, you know, the beginning ones It's the ones who have dealt with their trauma, the ones who have healed, mm. like that's how you access that higher level of your power. 
Exactly. Now, my last question for you here is to help out the listeners of the show. We get a lot of listeners here and a lot of people are loving exactly what you're saying right now. People are like glued to their headphones, their headsets, their cars, their speakers, however, listen to the show, they're glued to it right now. So I want you to give them some advice. What advice would you give to them who are dealing with spirits or what they think may be spirits in their home? What can people do to self-help or self-cleanse? Is there anything they can do their, on their own? Um, yeah, actually. So one of, one of the things that I, I teach, um, there's, there's a lot more on my, um, on my blog. Uh, I have a lot of like free resources and stuff on there. And um, there's a, a classification of two haunt two two hauntings two types of hauntings sorry about that um and that is um going to be filled with all kinds of like you know tips and things that they can do but one of those is a a bowl that is um half vinegar and half sea salt so like like a 50 50 solution basically and what this does is it creates um acidic environment like in the air that disrupts the electrical components of manifestation for a spirit so it makes it very very difficult for a spirit to manifest and what's really eerie is um you know if if you have like it also works for energies too so if you have like stagnant energy or like a lot of negative home um environmental energy um people arguing all the time stuff like that um then you'll notice that um, whether it's spirit or the energy, the evaporation of the bowl will happen like within hours or within a couple of days, like, like it'll, you know, pretty much crystallize the bowl, will crystallize and empty. What the bowl should do is it should take like months to evaporate. It shouldn't just evaporate right away. So if it's evaporating right away, that tells you that like, you know, it's disrupting the manifestation of spirit or it's like, you know, kind of like removing the the charge behind a lot of like stagnant energies or like negative energies that are kind of just in your environment so that that's a really good technique and i'd say just kind of continually fill the bowls as they empty um so the vinegar sea salt bowls that's one no matter what a client is experiencing um with like you know spirit attack or anything like that that's one of the first things before i show up or before i like get heavily involved or do processes of my own the first thing i'll have them do is i'll have them go ahead and start the vinegar sea salt bowls at the very least it's gonna it's gonna diminish activity um and make it um you know a little more simple for when i walk on and start doing things so the vinegar sea salt bowls and then um sleeping with a piece of iron um, either underneath your pillow or underneath your bed. Uh, iron introduced to your auric body is going to destabilize um, spirit tendrils and attachments. Um, and also if you have like, um, you know, like red dot or marks on your body from where like a spirit fed, um, which is like a whole other thing. But like, if you push, um, you know, the iron to it, like, you know, it can disrupt it and like break it. So it can, so iron can also like close portals. Like iron's great, man. Like iron is some good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so take like, you know, whether it be like an old tool that's like rusted or whatever, like it's gotta be true iron, not stainless steel or galvanized steel. Like, um, so like real iron doesn't matter what it is. As long as it's iron, put it under your bed or put it under your pillow. And um, that's going to help protect you when you sleep. Uh, also iron repels fey uh it's one of the only things that they're weak to to be honest and um 
normally with Faye, you want to give them offerings and stuff. Like you don't want to go to war with them. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, um, another thing for people that might, um, astral travel, uh, too much in their sleep. Um, you know, like uh, talking about insidious, right? Like, I love that. So, movie. Um, a blue nightlight. So whether it be like a small nightlight uh, and you change out the bulb and put a little blue bulb in. Hmm. Um, so the blue light, what that's going to do when you're sleeping is it's actually going to keep you in your, in your body. It's going to prevent you from traveling at night. Uh, Cause it's, it has like a, a calming presence. And when that blue saturates your aura, it's actually going to help keep you laying inside of your body so you won't just unconsciously travel at night i always have like my students when when they start out learning and stuff one of the first things they'll do is like all right now that we're building your energies up you're probably going to start unconsciously traveling all the time in your sleep you need Uh to get a blue nightlight so yeah like i hope some of those tips are helpful man i said that was the last question but you said something about red (laughs) bite marks where they feed and i'm thinking to myself like my wife was saying the other day, she had a couple of little barks on her arm. And I'm like, I live in South Carolina. Was it a spider bite? Now you got me fucked up. Now I'm thinking like, was it a spirit <laughs> feeding on her? Like, can, just real quick, can you describe what people can look for? Because I'm sure some people are like, wait, he said red marks. I got one on my neck. What is it? What does it look so, like? What are people looking for? So unexplained, like pinpricks, scratches are kind of a different thing. That mm-hmm. tends to happen more within like late stage two activity, specifically with like malevolent entities or like race. But if we're talking about like like ghost sickness as it's called, um, and like the feeding aspects of like ghost sickness with tendril feeding, um, you're you're going to have these marks or dots that are are red on the skin that appear when you wake up from sleeping. and have no explanation or were not there before and you feel more tired than before you actually slept and then they end up disappearing or going away within minutes or hours Um, and that's just like a very general basic explanation but like i i have like a uh, that's actually going to be one of my next blog posts is i'm going to do like a full write-up on ghost sickness and like what it is I think that'll help a lot of people. Now, please tell everyone where they can find you, where they can find a blog. And, and for people that, you know, don't have a pen and paper handy, they will be in the podcast description. So you can click it and go right to everything he's about to say, but let people know where they can find you. That would be um, my website, which is also the best way to contact me and where you can uh, find everything you need resource wise from the Sadhu Da. And that is www.thesadhuda.com. And that's T-H-E-S-A-D-H-U-D-A-H.com. I'll tell you what, man. I, I, I had a blast. I learned a lot, but you fucked me up tonight, man. Like now I'm looking at my arm. I'm like, what, the, like, what is this? What is this? And I woke up tired this morning. What the hell is wrong with me? So oh, I might be asking you to make me one of these uh, talismans because I might need some help. <laughs> yeah, no, man, I, I got oh. you back. I got oh. you back. Jesus Christ, man, you fucked me up today. So yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be up going on. I told that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sadhu, man, uh, you know, we've been uh, talking and for people out there that don't know, we've been trying to get this thing going for a while and we just, this kind of just, you know, kept missing the mark here, but we finally got together and I'm glad we finally got to do the show. And uh, 
Yeah. Ha- happy Halloween, you son of a bitches. And I hope you guys take what he said to heart and uh, cleanse your souls and, uh, you know, be more aware of your surroundings. Yeah. Don't, don't go do stupid stuff. I got enough work during this time of year anyway. <laughs> I think your workload is about to get a lot heavier, my friend. Thank you for coming on <laughs> Voices Misery Podcast. You're Thanks a good for man. having me. You got to come back, my friend. Oh, I will. Thank you so much. Thank you.